You may be seated. For the time that's ours today, I'd like to share with you from this thought, all the ifs, all of the ifs. When we think about this time of the year and we begin to reflect upon those people who have contributed significantly to our being here, and we also reflect upon how many of them are not here anymore, the resounding question that arises is if. If this person were here, if cancer had not taken them, if they would not have died in the crash, if, 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 if. If is a constipated conjunction because so much is packed into the if of the human experience. If, I argue, is one of the words that keeps people from being a Christian because they can't seem to make sense of how if God was God, then certain things should not be. Maybe some of us are heavy laden even today because the conjunction of if weighs heavy in our heart. If I would not have lost that job, if I would not have gone through that situation, maybe my life would be in a particular place. If may have constipated your ability to imagine a new future, because if has us rehearsing the notions of the past. If, 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 if. If. If is not one of those ifs that often brings us joy. In fact, when we think about if, if often leads us to sadness. This sadness is evident in our text today. As Mary confronts Jesus, Mary and her sister Martha love Jesus, have a deep and intimate relationship with Jesus. They know what it's like to cook and to make ready their space for Jesus. The Gospels are clear that Jesus shares a particularly intimate relationship with Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. Now, Lazarus was sick unto death. They send out a, a message to Jesus saying, please get here for we know you have all power. We know that you have the ability to turn situations around just by your very presence. Even if not your presence, if you send a word, our brother would live. But if we read the 11th chapter of John, we find something interesting. When Jesus receives word that the people that he loved need him, Jesus lingers longer where he was. When confronted about this lingering, Jesus says, he's not dead, he's asleep. But then a few verses later, Lazarus is dead. 
that news of a loved one dying jars you and shakes you. How can you imagine life without this person and not because you did not try fervently to save them? But in fact, my sister and my brother, this situation has died. So Jesus, being Jesus, shows up whenever Jesus wants to. Which can irk the well-meaning. So this same Jesus shows up in Mary in her confidence in Jesus and in her consternation with Jesus. She says, if you would have been here, he would not have died. Maybe she was right, but maybe she wasn't all the way right. Maybe she had a clue about the possibilities of what Jesus could do, but there was something deeper at work that maybe her grief would not disclose to her at the time. For Jesus was after something deeper than her immediate satiation of her long-held grief and her anger and frustration at Jesus for lingering long when he should have been coming instantaneously. The if began to float in which she said, if I had divine or supernatural engagement, this natural situation would not have happened. That is one of the most difficult and perplexing things to lay your supplication before the Lord, to earnestly and deeply and steadfastly believe that God can do something and yet that situation does not work. And now we are left with all the ifs. If I would have moved, if I would have stayed, if things would have stayed like they were 40 years ago, if the world would change for the better, if, if, if. Now this if begins to drive us even more in the text because this if brings about divine sadness. For this person, Lazarus, this body that Jesus loved, this soul that Jesus loved, has now died and begun to decay. How frustrating is it for something that you love to decay, for it to have the reverse processes of life work against it so much so that it is unable to be able to make it. And now if begins to linger. But what I find powerful in the text and what I find helpful in the text is that if is not the end of the story. Because if, on some hand, puts some responsibility on God. God, if you would have done this, this may not have been. And you, are, you may be right. But maybe not all the way right. Because deeper than your grief is God bringing about God's glory in the earth realm. That's what this is about. And Jesus doesn't mind lingering a little longer and letting some things die so that those things can be brought back to life. But that if conjunction, that if-ness, if you will, not only puts obligations on the divine, but that if also places stipulations upon the mortals. 
if does not allow us to leave our grief at the feet of God and then leave it there. If places us in the role in which we must act in order to turn the situation around. We must partner with God in the things of God to bring about a new reality. So in order for us to counteract the constipation of the if, we have to, number one, roll the stone away of the thing that has died. For some of us, when situations die, relationships die, situations, opportunities, the first thing we want to do is to roll a stone over where it was. You know what they say, out of sight, out of mind. So what happens, we take that dead thing that we love so dearly and we tuck it away and we hide that thing so that those who may see that dead thing may not see it anymore. Because to see that dead thing is to remind us that it died. Some of us in the holes in our heart in which sadness and Death and frustration have found its way in. We have then rolled a stone over that because we don't believe that anything good can come from thinking about it. We don't believe that anything, can go- anything good can come from engaging that and dealing with that and wrestling and grappling with that thing. So we roll the stone in front of it. But how can God do something new in your life if you have rolled the stone in front of it so that God can have access to that place in your heart? Maybe you're here today because God is trying to remove the stone from in front of your heart. But God won't remove the stone for the text says Jesus commanded the people to remove the stone. Yes, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Yes, Jesus has shown up to do something new. But we must partner with God by moving the hindrances out the way. Some of us are content with hindrance. And we relish distraction so that we don't have to focus on the depth of our sadness. Not only what must we remove those hindrances, but also we must begin to believe that something can happen. Now, that's a tall order, considering that we've seen what we've seen. Now, I know some of us belief comes easy. You and Jesus are BFFs and text every day. <laughs> you and Jesus are simpatico. Y'all have a relationship that bonds you so deep that you don't ever have these feelings of if. But for some of us who have seen some of the worst of life, some of us who have felt what it's like to be on the other end of joy, some of us who have wrestled with what it means to be happy, it is those people who may struggle with belief. How do I believe, God, that you will do something new when you've allowed this situation to die? 
It's almost asking too much, if you will, to believe that Jesus can bring about something new when he didn't have to let it die in the first place. Mm. That feeling is difficult. Maybe you've been there like I've been there. When you have looked at the casket of a loved one and said, Lord, how do I believe love can find me again? If it seems that I'm putting my heart into the ground. How can I believe there's a future for me bigger than the death that I've experienced? How can we believe that this political climate will not be the end of our country? How do we believe that God can wrought something new in the lives of this church? How can we show, how can we manifest this faith, this belief when we have seen so much dysfunction? But I like the text because Jesus puts an if back on them. Maybe you're right. Maybe if I was here, we wouldn't be here. But that if is not the most important if. The most important if of the text is if you believe, you might see something special. So maybe the if that you're putting on God, God is putting it back on you today. Instead of saying if God was here, or if God did this, and if God did that, maybe the operative question is, what are you going to do with the power that you have to change the ifs in your life? How do we then confront the disbelief we feel? We confront that by divine action. We must move the stone away. We must believe that God can do something else. We must embrace the fact that God can do something else. But here's the last thing I want to share with you this morning. Not only do we need to remove the things that are in the way and believe that God can, we must engage in the work of ministry. For the text concludes by saying, Jesus says to them, look man, Lazarus is up. I have prayed. I have done my supernatural part. I have done what you cannot do. I have raised him up. Yes, he stinks, but he is alive now. Yeah. Oh, y'all missed this morning. We talked about it stinketh. Yeah, y'all missed it this morning. But here's the work of ministry. Yes, Lazarus stinks, but he's not dead anymore. So we must not treat Lazarus like he's dead. So the work of ministry is to take the death clothes off of him. Take those clothes that show people that you should mourn over this body. Those clothes that signify and help to hasten the process of decomposition. Those clothes that signal to others that you should bring your grief to this space. The work of ministry says we must take those death clothes off of him. How do Christians take the death clothes off of a society that refuses to live? How do we as Christians take the death clothes off of a church that seems to be shrinking more than it seems to be growing? How do we take the death clothes off of our families and relationships that seem to be insular and petty? 
and divided by things that on, in their final analysis don't mean much of anything. How do we do that, my sister and my brother? Number one, we have to face that thing that's dead and then be willing to get our hands dirty. We must engage that work as a church in part by developing and supporting the works of the church. How can the church be a beacon of light to the society if we don't have the resources to support that work? Supporting the resources of the church helps to take the death clothes off because we begin to empower people to imagine a world that's different. We take those death clothes off by protesting evil whenever we see it. Because allowing evil to flourish continues the death clothes on this body politic, on this church body, and the bodies of people who gather all over this world. The death clothes that remain are our responsibility to take off and not God's. For God has given us the power of the resurrection. For that work has been done already. But our job is to take those things off that remind the world of death to let them know that life is present. I like John here. John says, God will wipe the tears from their eyes. That's the promise to those who are wrestling with the ifs in this congregation today. Maybe you're wrestling with the if of what could be, what should have been, what might be now. But in that, you cry tears of frustration. And you find frustration as a constant companion. The promise of the revelation is simply this. The God who is the Alpha and the God who is the Omega has death encompassed in life. So that even when you cry, Jesus weeps with you. But the promise is that that weeping will not endure always. And that God, God's self, when God's own time permits, will visit you in the hour of your need and at the point of your despair and at the crux of your frustration to present new life and that life more abundantly. Amen.